All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. It's Wednesday. It's raining. And Keith Knudsen, did you walk here today like you did last time? You drove today. Okay. We got Keith Knudsen in again, back from. Uh, he's a Viterbo history professor. Uh, he's going to join us today. We're going to talk uh, anything from Wisconsin politics to maybe the bar report and maybe a uh, bar report. And oh wait, I did that. Oops, I did that accidentally. The bar. The, maybe we'll see the Mueller report too tomorrow. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, 608-785-7914 if you want to get in here on the Better Hearing Center. Talk to text line. Um, last time you were, in, you were in here, it was before the elections. And so we're going to recap those a little bit. Obviously, Brian Hagedorn has now taken, uh, he, you know, he, he took the, the Supreme Court seat. He'll take over that in August. Um, and you, you want to talk about vo- voter turnout from that election a little bit in, 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 in comparison to the last? We're back on. And I think maybe we'll put, we'll put you on, too, Keith. Like I was saying, Keith Knudsen from the Viterbo University, professor there at, of history at Viterbo. Keith, how about now? Test it out. Okay, let's try it. All right. So, again, last time you were here, you, we, we were, we were uh, it was pre-elections, pre-April, what, April 3rd, 4th? April 2nd. April 2nd. So, we were heading into the elections. We had a couple of things. Uh, the gerrymandering referendum. What do you okay, think? the Fair Maps uh, referendum sponsored by the League of Women Voters in La Crosse County, carried by uh, uh, upper 70%, in Vernon County, um, lower 70%. So these are the 7th and the 8th counties to carry this referendum, an advisory referendum. Um, uh, every county that, which has held it, uh, over 70% of the voters have voted for the Fair Maps initiative. Sure. That's, that seems so obvious. Like, but what's the next step? Because it, obviously it's kind of like marijuana, right? Marijuana referendums keep passing in those same numbers, right? 60 to 70 percent people say legalized recreational marijuana. In states where these referenda are only advisory, uh, the intention is to get the attention of the legislators. Um, it's the, the state legislature which, which would have to pass a law. Um, we do know now that uh, in Governor Evers' budget, he has uh, proposed uh, funding um, a district drawing process which is similar to that in Iowa. Uh, now, that's the governor's budget proposal. Of course, the legislature has to pass a budget. Sure. Um, but uh, out of the uh, census of 2020, by 2021, we will uh, be drawing uh, new district lines. And uh, Evers, as the governor, has veto power, so he will have some significant insight sure. into what will be the uh, representative maps drawn out of the 2020 census. And with all these referendums, it's like we're like the peons outside the castle going, hey! Hey, look at it. We want this. Like 70% of us out here want these changes. And then, you know, the, high, the legislature, whoever you want to say, up in their high, you know, up in, the, up in the castle tower, are they not hearing us or do they not care or what's going on? Well, of course, uh, you and I are the foundation of the system so that uh, 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 peons, I, I, I reject that <laughs> idea. Um, uh, That's course, how they think of it. Uh, 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 this becomes a question. Will our elected representatives be listening to uh, voters who want to make a change. Again, the change is recommendation. It is not in law. Um, But uh, one might ask uh, if citizens of Wisconsin are going to continue to vote for uh, elected representatives who are not prepared to listen uh, to uh, significant majorities of Wisconsin citizens, voters, 
who want change on this uh, map drawing issue. Yeah. Um, I think sports betting should be the next thing on the referendum. Legalizing sports betting. I mean, why, why aren't we doing that one, too? Uh, I mean, there are plenty of other places with that. Uh, <laughs> we could just go to other states or just do it illegally online. Um, I'm just going to throw this at you because I, I, I just thought of it. Ron Johnson, yes. is, is he's retiring, right, come, come 2020? Well, Johnson was just uh, elected for his second term, U.S. Senator uh, Ron yeah. Johnson. Um, I think he'll have four years oh, left. Oh, four years. Okay, so 2022 uh, then, right? Uh, I, I think that's his, his year. Yes. Okay, because I was thinking I didn't, I didn't know he got reelected. I guess I wasn't paying attention uh, to that. He, he's serving his second term. Yeah. Uh, but he did uh, announce, even in his uh, campaign to win a second term, that uh, he would only serve one more term. Okay, so he's, so he's four years, or, well, a couple years down the road. Yeah, right. Because so, I was thinking that was coming up in 2020, and nobody's talking about that. And I feel like Senate seats are kind of important. Maybe just as Certainly, they are. Um uh, Republicans were able to pick up two Senate seats, I believe, in 2016 uh, with uh, President um, – no, in 2018, excuse me, uh, in the midterm election. Yeah. Um, in 2020, there are many more Republicans across the country uh, standing for re-election than Democrats. Um, generally, defending seats can be a little more challenging. Um, uh, of course, we think about incumbents having uh, an advantage – uh, but uh, in a, uh, uh, an election of change, then uh, having to defend a seat might be a, a bit of a challenge. We'll see where President Trump's approval ratings are. When you're a senator, you know, like, okay, so in the state, you're going you're gonna to go on maybe the legalizing marijuana or the, the bipartisan maps. Uh, what, what things would you, would you run on these same things as a senator? Or are they more? Are there broader topics that you know, like you're going to have to get, you know, this this side or that, or you're going to play the middle? Or well, on the national level, the Fair Maps uh, advocacy uh, does exist within the Democratic Party. Years ago, Russ Feingold, uh, uh, I got to talk to him a little bit. He would have advocated a national law um, uh, implementing a, a Fair Maps, um, as we would call it today, uh, uh, implementation. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Feingold lost to Johnson. <laughs> Uh, eight years ago, so uh, so don't run on that apparently. But well, I think things. Have, I think I'm just kidding. I think I, times have, like people are being enlightened yeah, with this. Stuff. This is the Constitution gives the state legislatures the power to draw these maps. So this is really a, a state level issue. Should we have uniformity across the country in how our maps are drawn? Um, for me, I would advocate that. I think they should be nonpartisan, and uh, the the fair maps uh, premise should be the the way that all states would draw their representative. District lines. All right, we're going to go to the phones here. Caller, who's this? Hello. Uh, this is Tom. Hey, Tom, go ahead. Yes, this is. Okay, so first I want to just mention that United States senators are elected for a six year term. Uh, and after that, I just wanted to ask Mr. Knudsen if the Wisconsin Constitution does have in it that the uh, legislature will restructure. Uh, the uh, the districts every 10 years. I, I'm thinking that if that's the case, and I thought that was the case, that uh, then that will require a constitutional change, which will be a lot more than just the governor putting in his budget. So uh, drawing these lines is actually a U.S. constitutional foundation. The, the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, uh, does uh, dictate that we have our decennial census, and then that article uh, gives the state legislatures the power to draw these uh, uh, representative maps for the, the members of the House of Representatives 
And then, of course, it uh, follows that the state legislatures draw the district lines for the state legislative districts in each of their states. Are you with me, Tom? So to change that in Wisconsin, yes. So to change that in Wisconsin, then, uh, will it require a, a two years of our state constitution and, and voting on that to successive uh, legislatures or not? No, it would not. Uh, this can be done by legislation. Um, it could be insured if um, uh, people are uh, as supportive as the referenda are showing us, uh, at least in the counties which have held them, that the citizens want this kind of uh, nonpartisan uh, map drawing. It could be uh, put into the Constitution, but that's a longer process than just doing it through legislation. So uh, my position, uh, 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 Tom, I was saying that the governor has put it into his budget. That doesn't make it the way it's done. That's the governor's, um, let's say, starting point in negotiation with the, the legislature to try to get some change into how these uh, maps are drawn. Well, the Wisconsin uh, budget uh, process that the governor has is really on the verge of uh, more than just legislation. They, they can he can put things into the budget. He can reword the budget. He can cross things out, and we can end up with a lot of things that did not uh, should not have been in there and were not done by legislation. We've had many things happen in the past in the state budget by governors from both parties that were not legislation. They were just done by the governor's finagling of his veto pen. Yeah, I think that so-called Vanna White veto has been moderated a bit uh, uh, over the decades, but the governor does hold some power, uh, some significant power with the veto pen. But, of course, it's it initially... Uh, the governor proposes a budget. It's the state legislature, both houses of our legislature, which have to they have to pass a budget, and only then can the governor um, grapple with what the legislature has passed um, and decide to uh, sign it or potentially veto it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We got to hit uh, news here, and just I'm just throw this out. Uh, Ron Johnson elected 2016, so yeah, 2022 he'd be up again. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. All right, we're back here on Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom, 608-785-7914, the Better Hearing Talk and Text Line, if you want to get in. we got an expert here if Keith, with Keith Knudsen from the Turbo University, a history professor. Um, yesterday, was it yesterday? A couple days ago, Trump was in Minnesota. Oh, I guess it was Monday. He was, in, he was here, um, or here, I live in Minnesota. So he was in Minnesota on Monday talking about uh, praising his taxes, his tax, whatever, reform, whatever you want to call it, um, and then the news came yesterday, I think, that he is going to skip the, the correspondence dinner in the White House. Wouldn't it be like the most watched thing in politics if Donald Trump went to the White House correspondence dinner? Wouldn't, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be the most popular thing ever? Uh, well, I'll leave the ratings uh, knowledge to you, Rick. Um, uh, Trump doesn't go to the correspondence dinner because, of course, uh, he said that uh, our journalists are enemies of the people. And... Uh, He's not going to subject himself to uh, the denigration which uh, the comedian uh, element of that program is going to do to him. I think that uh, no president is obligated to attend that right. event. Um, uh, this president has set himself up in opposition um, to the, the traditional mainstream news media. Uh, that's the way he, uh, but he uh, loves ratings. Policy. He loves ratings. Uh, certainly, and he does pretty well <laughs> with, with, with ratings uh, when he is uh, uh, 
doing something, but why do it at the correspondence dinner? He, he uh, like or dislike President Trump, his 2016 campaign was um, very effective in terms of uh, running his own media sure. operation, and that's the way this president works. And uh, instead of going to that, and I, you know, he doesn't have to go to that. I'm sure it would be like, just like he would probably feel very uncomfortable at some point to that. Um, he's going to be in Green Bay. Um, on what is it, April 27th, so he's going to be at the rest center. And I, I guess, what did you want to say about that? Like, Well, so uh, President uh, candidate Trump lost Minnesota by something like 2% um, uh, in 2016. He's looking to pick up uh, another state. He wants to come back to Wisconsin and try to secure his hold on this state, which he carried by uh, 20,000 votes. He also needs to carry Michigan, which he won by 10,000, and then Pennsylvania, um, another 50,000 votes. So he's, um, he is a minority uh, vote, popular vote president. Yeah. His strategy uh, in 2020 is to come back and win the Electoral College the way he's operating his presidency. He's generally not trying to bring in too many more voters. His people talk about bringing new voters in, and we should be uh, listening to that because apparently they did some of that in 2016. Um, uh, but uh, expanding his appeal, that is being a president for more Americans than just his base, as uh, sure. we're, we're reading about it in the in, in the mainstream media. Now, when you look um, at when you look at voter turnout, or when you look at voter, you know, uh, how, how votes went. Like obviously, Hagedorn, a conservative leaning judge in Wisconsin, just won. Does that does that set up Trump for 2020? In a positive way. Well, that's one of the arguments that's being made by conservative uh, analysts in, in, in the national media that uh, uh, the election just uh, April 2nd is a good uh, indicator for uh, President Trump and his, uh, his aspiration to be reelected. And Wisconsin is an essential uh, state in that. He, he needs to keep, of course, these states, uh, uh, which he was able to carry in 2016. And that's probably... Not exactly true, right? Like, like for for a vote like that, I mean, I had to I had to tell people some of my friends who who don't really pay attention to politics. I'm like, hey, you voting, you know, whatever day it was, Tuesday, and they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, and and I'm not exactly young, so I, I, I guess like a, the the voter turnout thing is going. It, it probably played more of a factor than you know conservatives really getting back behind Trump and 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 Republicans, right? Well, I'd like to say from my side of the mic, you're looking pretty young, Rick. Um, <laughs> But, uh, look, only half the number of voters turned out for the spring election uh, who turned out in, in 2016. Right. Um, but the, the conservative won the race, uh, a very narrow margin, uh, and uh, uh, in Democratic-leaning areas, Milwaukee County, Dane County, turnout uh, as a percentage of the vote was less than some of the more concentrated Republican counties. Uh, Republican candidates can win elections if turnout in Democratic areas is down and they get their turnout up in their areas. But they may be on a finer margin than the Democrats. Uh, people keep going back to Hillary Clinton won 3 million more votes than Donald Trump in 2016. Right. Um, where are these votes? And then back to the fair maps issue, what's going to be the result in the legislative uh, uh, districts um, and how are they going to be drawn? Is there going to be um, a fair uh, end game from who's voting for whom, 
or are voter are, are certain voters, and in this case here in Wisconsin, it's uh, Democratic voters being packed in yes. uh, to particular districts or cracked out so that uh, their votes are um, less influential than, of course, Republican votes. Uh, we got Eric from Sparta's on hold here. So here, Eric, Eric, you there? Yeah, I am. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, Mr. Caduceus, you think she can abolish the uh, Electoral College? Um, well, for me, I would, Eric, but I think we got into this last time. Nice to talk with you again, brother. Um, you know, to, to get rid of the Electoral College would require a constitutional amendment, and there are enough states getting um, uh, an advantage uh, in the Electoral College so that they're not going to ratify an amendment to get rid of it. So getting rid of the Electoral College is... Uh, an aspiration, uh, certainly for Democrats, but I don't know that it's a, a, a realistic aspiration at this stage of the game. When when people, like, a lot of people are getting this idea to, to get rid of the Electoral College, and we want to do something so big, like, why don't we just, instead of putting all our effort into that, why don't we just put our effort into getting big money out of politics? Like, if we're going to do something... Like, wouldn't that be the place that, that we should all be just yammering about? Sure. Uh, we tried that with McCain-Feingold uh, back in the late 90s, and the U.S. Supreme Court has basically undone that with Citizens United. Um, and, and that um, court, Supreme Court case said that uh, basically there is unlimited amounts of money to be going into a campaign so that uh, uh, maybe getting a different makeup of the U.S. Supreme Court would be required to... Um, allow for the constitutionality of legislation limiting money. I'd, go, I'd like to go back to Eric's point for a minute, though. Okay. Um, there are states which have now passed laws where their electoral college votes, uh, through a, a pact in, in uh, the states who are making this legislation, uh, their electoral college votes would not then go to their, uh, it potentially would not go to the, the winner of the state, but rather to the winner of the nation. Uh, so that uh, some states, Wisconsin, not one of them, of course. Colorado's one, right? Colorado's in on this. I think there's ten, uh, is there ten states? Uh, some, some number like that. Um, and so this is a way for states to maneuver around um, the Constitution and the inability, probably, to uh, amend the Constitution to get rid of the Electoral College. Uh, you've got the number over there. Yeah, but it's 14 now. New Mexico just flipped, too. Um, and so these states are taking... Um, uh, their aspirations into their own hands to find a way of uh, maneuvering around uh, the constitutional roadblock. Now, I heard another thing, too, and I don't know how, how legit is this, that some states aren't going to put Trump or anyone on the ballot if they haven't released their tax returns. Well, we'll see if that one can, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that one can be done. Uh, I, I, I think that would have to be more grounded in the Constitution, and I don't think the Constitution has any cl such clause. Um, this is more a matter of um, uh, a public sentiment, uh, and of course, uh, President Trump has uh, been able to, to, to buck that sentiment, and his supporters are uh, not concerned about whether he uh, makes his taxes available to, to the public as a whole. Um, so without a Without a, a law, a national law, without uh, legislation, I, would, um, I can only imagine that that would be uh, very difficult to do to keep an incumbent president off any state's ballot because the person hasn't um, released the taxes. For me, it's a, uh, an ethical issue. It should be done, but there's not a law that would make any candidate do that. Sure. Um, all right, we're going to take another break. 
And we're going to hit Scott's comment and some more news right after this. Yeah, I can't seem to All right, we're back on WIZM 90. No, what, what station are we on? 92.3 FM, 1410 AM. I'm Rick Solom. With me today, Keith Knutson from Viterbo University. And uh, we're talking anything from voting to maybe we'll get to the bar report. It's hard to I keep saying that. The Mueller report. Um, we're going to go to the phones right now, the Better Hearing Center, talking text line. Uh, Guitar Bob, go ahead. Yes, sir. Hey, you almost messed up your call letters. A friend of mine was a DJ years ago, and we had a New Year's Eve party, and he was doing a show uh, for college, and he accidentally did that. We all had a laugh about that. Yeah, yeah. I always say that. Yeah. I always like to say the Brewers are coming on, or the Bucks are coming on huh. later, but they're on the other station. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I had a quick question uh, for your for your your guest on there. Um, great show you got tonight. Um, <clears throat> first of all, in in states, I believe it was Texas. I, I think I heard of it in a couple other states where the, uh, they uh, they're their uh, jury duty, there was uh, thousands of people that weren't qualified to be on jury duty because they were in our country illegally, but yet uh, they were they were on the voter rolls, on the voter registration. That's where they got their names. Um, so that tells me that there is, uh, it's kind of ironic that the, uh, the Democrats are all up in arms about Russia and, uh, interfering in our elections, but yet they're encouraging illegal aliens to come and vote in our states. Um, and much like we see our governor here who campaigned on that. Um, so... Uh, I'm just wondering what what is your call or your uh, your guess rather think about uh, illegal aliens voting in our elections. I think the investigations into uh, uh, illegal voting uh, show that uh, it's almost negligible, Bob. And uh, uh, that it, it, I've heard stories uh, of uh, actually uh, um, people with green cards getting. Um, uh, cards from uh, the motor vehicle department and, and, and uh, encouraging them to register because uh, the DMV uh, doesn't know that they're not a citizen. But I, I think uh, with President Trump and uh, the gentleman from Kansas, Chris Kobach, uh, an investigation early in the Trump administration, uh, an effort to, to try to uh, make a big issue out of this uh, illegal voting um, thing, um, it just doesn't work. Uh, so I, I think you've got to go to another issue. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Um, the governor didn't campaign on having illegal aliens vote, did he? Well, the governor's talking about uh, providing driver's licenses now uh, to uh, uh, people who are, are not uh, citizens. Undocumented immigrants. Yeah, um, uh, and other states have done that. Um, and your colleague, Ryan Anderson, was in here a couple weeks ago, and he specifically said the driver's licenses will not will say that literally on them, for driver's license purposes only, not be, not, yeah. you know, they're not going to be used to vote. So, right. I, You know, unfortunately um, for uh, Republicans in North Carolina, what's been discovered is that uh, uh, a Republican elected to the Congress who uh, the election was uh, voided because of corruption. Um, so we, we do have some uh, examples of, of actual uh, corruption such as this, but it... Uh, um, it, it, it doesn't go to the, the direction that Bob was calling in about. Um, on the text line here, we've got a couple of, of texts. This one, if the boundary districts were as important as liberals would like to make them out to be, we would not have a Democratic or a Democrat governor elected and a conservative judge recently. They are always crying electoral college on the hit list too sad. Well, I've got a cold, so I know I'm sniffling today, but uh, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm crying. Um, uh, you know, the governorship and the state Supreme Court, the boundary lines are the state boundaries of Wisconsin. So there, there's no drawing of a, 
of a boundary line for those offices. We're talking about legislative uh, representative district lines, and there we know um, that, uh, well, uh, in uh, early in this decade, uh, after Republicans won control of our state legislature, um, they spent quite a bit of money uh, hiring a, a private law firm. They did it in secret. You had to have a kind of a passcode to get into the, the room to look at the maps, and you had to swear secrecy not to take the information out of the room. Um, but uh, here in Wisconsin, it's the Republicans uh, across the state uh, in Illinois. Democrats are predominant, and they've got some gerrymandering going on. We are in a historical moment where we're very suspicious of our government. We Americans are generally susceptible to um, uh, thinking about government as taking away our, our liberties or infringing upon our, our basic rights. Um, this this is an issue that crosses party lines. This should be a nonpartisan issue. Uh, my view would be we should all insist on voting for uh, elected representative candidates to go into our legislative bodies who stand for not trying to manipulate the line so that one party or another can stay in power. If we're going to maintain a vibrant, healthy, representative democracy, then we need to know that our elections count. Um, it does get to Bob's issue about who's voting, um, but uh, uh, Bob's uh, maintenance that illegal aliens are voting, I think, is, is off the money. Uh, the gerrymandering uh, issue is really undermining our confidence in our uh, uh, our system, and we can uh, we can address that uh, right now, state by state. Potentially, we could do something nationally, but uh, we have the capacity to do this within our own state. And we're seeing that in the referenda that are taking place across the state over a number of years, that large majorities of voters. Um, uh, I think before the program, Rick, you said. This is just basic common sense um, uh, that uh, district lines should be drawn by um, nonpartisan civil servants. We do have people who serve in our governing apparatus as civil servants who are not partisan. Iowa is doing this. Other states are beginning to do it. We in Wisconsin certainly can do it. We've been a leader in clean government since early in the 20th century. This is a clean government issue. What if we had the most partisan Democrats and the most partisan Republicans draw the lines individually, and then we combine those maps, and then we just say, these are the lines that can't be used because clearly they're so partisan. We'll no, this, this, is, this is not a political compromise issue. This is an issue of what makes sense in the districts where we're going to be voting and getting our representation. We don't want elected politicians making compromises as to what are our districts. We want qualified, demographically trained civil servants uh, to draw these district lines so that when we vote for our representatives, we're voting with people who have a common economic, social, geographic interest in who will represent us. This is not a partisan issue. Uh, Phil texted in, uh, if, voters were, if voters were told the nonpartisan serving as line drawers would be selected from a government employee, who occupied, desecrated, and defecated in the Capitol for a month in 2011, the referendum would not have passed. Well, I've visited the Capitol a couple of times, and we do have public toilets um, and, and, uh, in, in the Capitol building, and so people are going to engage in that personal behavior. Um, as you're probably referring to the, the, the protesters over Act 10 early in the decade. Um, 
Many people don't even trust our civil servants uh, in our governing apparatus, but it, it, it's possible to make laws that have rules which our civil servants are going to follow and draw these maps without the intention of a partisan benefit. That's what this fair map referendum was about. All right, we're going to go back to the phones. Eric, you back? Yeah, I am. All right. Let's take a note. You want maps drawn so they are fair, but they're only fair to your side because you're a liberal, and that's all that comes to you. Thank you. Well, Eric, I'm not going to respond with uh, maybe you're a conservative and, and uh, uh, that's all that matters to you. Somehow, some way, we have to be able to bring our political differences into the public arena and have people elected who will represent those interests. Sometimes our candidates will lose. Other times they may win. Um, but for the, uh, the compromise required in a, a representative democratic process, uh, the first order of business is to have people legitimately represented in the process. The gerrymandering takes that away. Um, as long as we're uh, wedded to this um, uh, political scientist, call, call it first-past-the-post, uh, single-member districts, um, whoever wins in a district wins the representation. How those district lines are drawn really does matter. And uh, 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 I said it last time we talked, Eric, um, you and I are fellow citizens. We have a common interest um, in getting, potentially we want different results, but we have a common interest in having uh, a system of integrity. And, and I trust that's where you and I could agree. I mean, the idea that you're leaning one way or another for nonpartisan lines is funny because you're mentioning Illinois has, two, they're too democratic over there. I think Maryland's the same way, right? Like Maryland likes to tout how they gerrymandered the lines for, for, Demo, for Democrats. In well, their there, there was one district in Maryland where a, a Republican had uh, held the office for, I think, almost two decades, and uh, the Democrats in control of that state gerrymandered that, uh, that representative uh, out of a capacity to win an election. Um, uh, yes, again, it, 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 it occurs with both major political parties, um, and we, the citizens of the United States, are the ones who have to say to these political parties, um, even our own parties, we're not going to vote for you if you're going to manipulate the district lines. That, that's, that goes beyond my self-interest. That is undermining my self-interest. Well, I like to always say, like, uh, this would be like having the Patriots win the Super Bowl, and then the next season the Patriots get to pick the NFL schedule. So, I mean, we don't, we don't want the Patriots picking the Packers schedule. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then uh, we're going to try to get uh, Keith's opinion on the Barr report that, did I say it right? No, the, the Mueller report that's going to be coming out tomorrow, maybe. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. With me, Keith Knutson, the Turbo History Professor. Uh, what's uh, the, uh, the Mueller report's coming out tomorrow? And and just like, what what is your overall? Do you have any expectations from this thing tomorrow? Sure. Um, there will be uh, a 400 pages compared to the four-page summary of the Attorney General William Barr, um, and. Uh, uh, We'll see how much is redacted. I was going to say 400. I doubt it. I doubt it's going to be. Well, it'll be 400 pages with a lot of black lines in it, right? Uh, we'll, we'll see how much is redacted. We don't know that yet. Um, but there will be more information on um, uh, the judgment William Barr, uh, as Attorney General, made that uh, uh, there was uh, 
really not enough evidence to charge uh, President Trump with obstruction of justice. We don't know yet how uh, Robert Mueller uh, came to a conclusion as to whether that is something uh, which should be of concern to us. So we need to read the report to get uh, Mueller's perspective on, on that issue. Um, uh, of course, uh, uh, the, the second major issue, uh, we've been talking about it as collusion, but really uh, it, it, it gets to uh, was there some kind of conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia um, in terms of uh, trying to manipulate the election. We, uh, through, the, through the investigation, we know there have been uh, over 100 contacts between the Trump campaign and, I'm just going to say, Russian agents. Uh, the most famous is that Trump Tower meeting between uh, Don Jr. and uh, uh, the female lawyer from Russia. Um, so uh, uh, the, uh, uh, Mueller himself declined to uh, uh, push this uh, conspiracy, a charge of conspiracy. Or as, as we kind of left it up to the next people to make the decision. Well, right? uh, I think on, on that one, uh, I think Mueller concluded there really wasn't oh, evidence yeah, on that. Yeah, to support was, that. Right. Um, on the obstruction of justice issue, um, uh, Mueller would seem to have said, all right, here's what we've discovered. Now the judgment needs to be made elsewhere. And this is probably because uh, generally people... Uh, um, except the notion that a sitting president of the United States, um, well, we say cannot be in, indicted, but I think we mean should not. Uh, uh, this goes all the way back to Watergate and uh, Richard Nixon. Um, uh, what, what did uh, President Trump engage in in terms of his personal reaction to the investigation and uh, the variety of charges, of course, which have been brought up against the president? Um, uh, here we should read the report, and of course this is uh, very much a, a political outcome as much as a, a legal one. Uh, the, the, the way to, that, that that would be addressed in this moment uh, would be through uh, an impeachment and then conviction trial in the United States Senate. Um, it would seem that Republicans in the House of Representatives in the U.S. Senate are uh, uh, not interested in engaging that topic, so it would be a fruitless endeavor on the part of the Democrats to uh, instigate uh, impeachment in the House. Um, It wouldn't uh, probably carry a conviction in the United States Senate. Uh, The last time we saw this with uh, Bill Clinton, impeachment came out of the House on a partisan basis. Um, In the Senate, a two-thirds vote is required to convict. And uh, those charges couldn't even get a simple majority. That is, less than 50 U.S. Senate, 50 or fewer senators voted to convict. Um, and again, it was uh, only a partisan uh, endeavor. Um, and, and so uh, engaging in impeachment and conviction, that is uh, an effort to remove a president of the United States, is not a partisan affair. It, it needs to be clear evidence so that the country itself... Uh, uh, the citizens